The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can check them out at sdrn.us. Locked and Loaded Latinos are also part of the Brownells Bureau of Propaganda. Check out brownells.com for all your firearm needs. Hello, everyone. This is Rolo the Puerto Rican Pistolero coming at you live with episode 88 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. As always, but in a different way today, I am joined by my lovely, beautiful wife and co-host, Johanna Latina Locked and Loaded. How are you doing this evening, my love? I'm okay. Hey, you got a different co-host in the room. I can see on the camera a little mini Mew in the beanbag chair. If you guys can... uh I spy with your little eye uh, by Rolo Zolpo. You can see the uh, the other cat in the room. Oh yeah, there she is. <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, Joe was uh, Joe. Joe is home. She's here, but she's not feeling well. She had a bit of a migraine, so uh, she doesn't want to be around the bright lights. And so we almost weren't going to do the show because it was uh, she wasn't feeling great. But uh, she's a trooper, and we decided that hey, this is the best way to do it. We may not do the full two hours today because, um, again, she's not feeling that great. So we'll we'll probably go for at least an hour or so. Uh, sorry for getting everything set up at the last minute. I know that uh, we got a couple of you in here, and I appreciate you guys. Uh, but I know that uh, I didn't set this up until pretty late since we weren't sure if we were going to go. Hey, JC9 and Mike White, good to see you guys in the chat. So that's what uh, that's what we've got going on. Joe is going to be on a trip starting tomorrow. So uh, we will be back next week at our usual um, times. Uh, you're, you're not going anywhere on Sunday next week, are you? Negative. Okay. So that will be, uh, that'll be good. And uh, yeah, so we'll see how you guys uh, enjoy this episode tonight. Again, it's going to be a little bit more casual just because of uh, the lineup with uh, Joe not being in the room and uh, kind of setting this up at the last minute. But we do have, oh. what happened? I actually may be out of town on Sunday. Oh, okay. What's going I on? Might be. Yeah, you might be. Oh, it's then. an in-state. It's an in-state one. Oh, yeah, that's it's right. The tenth, the tenth is is uh, Sunday, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of depends. Um, it's in-state, so I don't know if I want to drive Sunday night or Monday morning. I think I'm going to drive out Sunday night. Okay. So we'll probably do the show on Saturday then. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. No, no, that's no problem. Uh, but yeah, at least we let them know. So, yeah, today, uh, what have we got? The biggest news of the week, really, and the one that we're the most happy about, I would say, is what uh, What would you say, Joe? Uh, what's going on here in our great state of Florida? We're going to open with that? Yeah, that would be our best one, unless you want to open with something else. No, we're good with that. So we're going to talk about constitutional carry again? Yeah, well, that's where we'll go, because that's the uh, to me, that's the biggest news that's gone down this week, at least with the Second Amendment. Oh, so okay. Well, can we start with Georgia first? Because I uh, yeah, let's go. My... Yeah, let's go through all of that. Uh, if you've got an article up, and uh, if you want to shoot it over to me, if you didn't, already. I did. I sent you over Georgia. Okay. Uh, I was just opening up Florida now, so okay. go ahead and uh, open up. I sent you an NRA ILA uh, article that had kind of summarized what we're gonna go over. It was the only one that had all the details. So okay. I did send you one from Georgia Carry itself, GeorgiaCarry.org had a one sentence article. So you can use either one. It doesn't matter. Okay. But 
Go ahead and pull that up and let me know when you're ready. No problem. I've got it up right now. Let's actually make this a little bit smaller. Okay. So uh, Georgia House passes constitutional carry bill. Man, that's good news. It's so definitely something I want to see in Florida. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Florida in a second. But originally, about a month ago, I don't know if we, I'm pretty sure we did report that it was it was going on. Um, they were working on Senate Bill 319. And about a month ago is when it passed the Senate. Yeah, early March is when it passed um, the Senate along party lines, pretty much 34 to 22, pretty much expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were kind of waiting to see what the House would do. So going to this NRA ILA article, or if you want to go with the uh, Georgia Carey one, doesn't really matter. Yeah, go so, with, uh, I've got this one brought up, so go for this one. All right, so this week about, uh, this week about midweek, it was reported that uh, the uh, SB 319 was passed in the House. They did alter some language, so it voted, the House voted 100 to 67, um, which is great news. Because it did have some alteration of the language, it did go back to the Senate for consideration. So anytime they have to make an edit, you know, the Senate just has to say yay or nay. They don't have to vote on it like the same way that they did before. I don't know how they really break that down, but it's basically like a yay and nay kind of thing. Or maybe it's the committee who says yes or no. Um, but basically, this is actually more updated. Uh, the Georgia Carey, one of the, the Georgia Carey website actually gave the... Um, the outcome of the Senate yay or nay, which was pretty much expected to be a yay since the Senate already voted on it. Um, so then it would be going to Governor Kemp's desk if you want to pull up that. Okay, that's the Georgia Kerry? Uh, no, I was going to say you can pull up uh, the tweet I sent you. Let's see what Governor Kemp of, of, Gov- of, uh, of Georgia has to say about this. Will he be in accordance with this as it's sitting currently on his desk? Well, it looks like he says, I look forward to signing the Georgia Constitutional Carry Act of 2021 into law soon and fulfilling another promise I made to the voters of this state. Awesome. So so the Senate passed it, the House passed it. It's sitting on Kemp's desk. Now, I don't know Kemp personally about whether he's going to sign or not. He says he will. Um, But just in case, it's good. It's good practice for the Georgia constituents to remind Kemp that they support this bill. It does sound like he's in favor of it, but it would be good if anyone who's listening, who's in Georgia, gives them a call uh, over there to ensure that he understands his constituents are in favor of this. And no silly business happens right, you know, at the finish line where, um, you know, we don't want this to die right there and then at the finish line. So go ahead and do your uh, civic duty of letting your governor camp know Yes, please go ahead and sign this. We, the uh, Georgia constituents, are in favor of this motion. Yeah. Uh, no, well, that's great. I'm so glad that uh, we're seeing so many states now. We're going to get to, hopefully, if we get uh, Florida or Georgia, and then, you know, we've got some uh, interesting news about Florida coming up as well. We'll have more than half the country with uh, constitutional carry, which is pretty awesome. Um. Let me see if I can pull up the phone number for George's governor. Governor Kemp. Contact. Information. I have the phone number written down, but 
just so you can flash it on the screen. If you go to gov.georgia.gov, .georgia .gov, that's actually, oh, governor, and government. Okay, so contact us. I got this. Uh, it is 406-656-1776. That's actually really cute. 656. Uh, 404-656-1776. And I'm going to just uh, send you the screen. And the phone number is at the bottom of that screen. So go ahead and I'm sending it over now. That georgia.gov <laughs> backslash contact dash us. Okay. And you can get that information for those listening on the audio only. It's 404-656-1776. Or you can go to that website, gov.georgia.gov backslash. Is that backslash or forward slash? I was uh. confused. <laughs> Whatever, whatever the usual thing. You, can you believe I work in technology and I don't know which one it's called? Contact dash us. There you go. So you're pulling that up. You can show it, and they may have most of these websites have a a, a, a mail us kind of thing, but it doesn't look like they have mail. Uh, oh yeah, they do. They have. If you wish to write to us, feel free to do so via Constituent Services, and it has a link right there. Cool. Yep. We can see that there. Let me move this camera out of the way so people can see better. There you go. Cool. So uh, that's how you would contact the governor's office. Let him know that you want to sign, uh, that you want him to sign constitutional carry. Make Georgia the 25th state to do so. And make sure that uh, the rest of you here, especially Floridians, also do the same, which we're going to talk about now. So, uh, we've been talking about a uh, constitutional carry in Florida for a few weeks now. And, uh, at first, well, for a while, we really thought it was a pipe dream to be perfectly honest, uh, at least when it came to, uh, in the, in the near term. So within the next year or so, and, uh, you know, the legislative session recently ended and to our surprise, governor DeSantis has asked for a special session to occur. Uh, next month or this month. Yeah, I just sent you a story from USA Today about the special session. Ooh, all right. Let's bring it up right now. So Governor DeSantis vetoes congressional map, calls Florida lawmakers back into session. Tallahassee. Well, I don't want to get I don't want anybody to get it twisted and think that DeSantis did this just strictly for constitutional no. carry. There are three things on the menu for the special session, and it looks like the uh impetus for the am I using that right? Impetus yeah. for the um, calling of a session was actually the congressional map. So the, what is the, what do we usually call that? Redistricting? Yes. He vetoed the redistricting that the, um, this legislator had agreed upon. He didn't like it. So that's going to be the main, I think the meat and potatoes of it, but go ahead and read the article a little bit yeah. and get that from USA Today's verbiage there. All right. Governor Ron DeSantis vetoed boundaries drawn for Florida's 28 congressional districts Tuesday and will call lawmakers back into an April special session to meet his demand to reduce seats seen as likely to elect black Democrats. That's what they're saying. <laughs> uh, the Republican governor specifically targeted congressional district five as unconstitutional and racially gerrymandered, stretching from Jacksonville to Tallahassee. It's where voters have elected black Democrat U.S. Representative Al Lawson since 2016. All right, you can see where this article is kind of uh, uh, 
leaning towards it's leaning in yeah, one he, direction. Yeah, it obviously. seems like it is. He is also hinting that the state's fair districts constitutional amendments passed by voters in 2010 and aimed at preventing legislators from drawing lines favoring political parties or incumbents violate federal law and even the U.S. Constitution. Even as lawmakers ended their two-month session earlier this month, the governor vowed to veto the congressional plan when it was sent to him. It arrived on his desk Tuesday morning, and as he earlier said, it was DOA or dead on arrival. It's absolutely the responsibility of the legislature to actually produce a map that can be signed into law, DeSantis said Tuesday about his plan to call lawmakers back to the Capitol. The governor later Tuesday set the special session for April 19th to the 22nd man only three days it's now a race so, against yeah, the clock that's the big one. yeah, yeah a, that's a, that's a final really, congressional really map has to be in place in time for june's qualifying period for federal candidates yeah so that's that's really the key there that there's only three days and this is a super i think that's a, a running theme in our in our show since we are based in florida i hate to be you know there's 50 states we care about all of them but we do live in Florida, so we do tend to harp a little bit on Florida, especially since it has the title of being the gunshine state. Yep. Um, and this is the state that has gone above and beyond. Just uh, you know, I think it's it's more shocking that it's gone so far in gun control, or it's been a leader in gun control um, when it has a, a majority of Republicans in its state uh, legislature seats and has Republican governor and Republican senators. And we are, you know, we, we have led the way, you know, especially after, you know, the tragedy of Parkland, you know, they took that as an excuse to pass gun control. Um, we talked about the red flag laws, but there was also a bunch of other things. Like I, we were talking about um, those triggers uh, last week, but I don't know if a lot of people know this, but binary triggers are also illegal in Florida. So, mm -hmm. We do have a whole bunch of stuff that was only recently passed since 2018. Um, and most of the people who are in office now are the same people and they're Republicans. Yep. So that's why it's really kind of like a lot of people are celebrating the session, you know, showing that he's, you know, putting this back on uh, the table after basically the, the we let it die here in the state. I mean, I feel like they totally all did that. Um, we went on and on about Simpson, the uh, president, the Senate president, and how important it was for him to um, get this on his desk. And he, you know, played politics, verbal politics and verbal judo and basically said, oh, yeah, 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 I totally support this. I totally support this. And then basically let the clock run out. And, you know, he he had the power to get it on his desk and nothing happened. So just because they were calling an extra three days, we have three things on the menu here. I don't think or I don't know if this is going to happen. Um, you know, I'm just being, I don't want to say negative Nancy, but I'm being realistic. You know, our, our state has let us down. And more than ever, this is, this is it. This is, this is it, Florida. If you are serious about your Second Amendment, you need to call these people who are going to be involved in this session your your representatives in the in the state who will be basically representing you and not doing what they promised that that they would do because we voted for these people when they were on the on the podium trying to get you know elected gather votes they lied to all of us especially down in south florida we had a bunch of these people 
uh, leveraging Cuba and their Cuban heritage and using, oh, anti-communism and I'm never going to take away your rights and I believe in this and I believe in that. And then when push comes to shove, when it's time for them to actually vote themselves for what they said they would uphold, they haven't done it. And you, it doesn't take too much effort to find out who these people are. Frankly, it's most of them. Um, but especially in South Florida, we have a whole bunch of them. So, you know, like, just do your duty. Do your civic duty, like I said, for Georgia. And contact everyone that you need to contact in your district. Um, I don't know how I feel about DeSantis. I feel like... I honestly do feel that if it's up to him, he would pass this because I yeah. know um, this is going to make him look good. I don't know how he personally feels about about guns. I I don't know him uh, personally. I don't know how he feels about guns personally, but this is just my two cents. I feel like he might be a little bit like Trump where he on paper says that they're pro 2A. In theory, they may be pro 2A, but there may not be gun people. You know what I'm saying? Like there's people who are just not gun people. Like fight me if you want on this, but Trump's not a gun guy. Yeah. His son's a gun guy, but he's not a gun guy. So unless you really embrace or are part of the lifestyle and, and, and truly believe that is part of your freedom, I think these people don't think of it as something that is so essential. So it's just like kind of a, on the back burner thing that they know it's important for their constituents to a certain percentage of their constituents, but it's not on their the front of their minds. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that that's um, a priority for him yeah. so maybe to him a political move you know moving a, a piece on the chessboard um but done for political reasons maybe he believes it in theory but like i said it's not what drives these guys um so that's why it's not the end of the world for them if it, it doesn't pass yeah <clears throat> what do you uh, feel about that uh, Rolo? uh no i feel the same way you hit the nail on the head with that and uh you know desantis has been a very good governor uh, since he started, you know, we supported his policy uh, throughout the pandemic and how he handled everything in the state and how he, uh, you know, opened the state back up pretty quickly and dropped uh, most of the restrictions early on and has done uh, passed a lot of different laws to prevent uh, certain mandates. And also recently we talked about the uh, Parental Rights and Education Act and the battle that he's had with Disney, which we can go into a little bit uh, after this as well. So he's done a lot of great things. He's, you know, things that we agree with for the most part, but this is the one uh, topic, really the second amendment where he's been lacking and he really hasn't lacking in the sense of he really has done nothing. So if they're able to push this through, it's going to come down to the legislature because I don't know how much DeSantis is going to push them to vote for constitutional carry. As we saw in that article, redistricting seems to be the primary issue here. So are they going to drag their feet and basically only do that? Or are the Republicans actually going to take advantage of some of their power and push out, uh, push out things that we actually want and give us some of our rights back? And if they pass constitutional carry, are they also going to roll back a lot of the regulations and laws that they passed, you know, be it the red flag laws, the age restrictions, uh, the expansions to, um, to uh, background checks, I believe as well. Are, are they going to push all that back or are we going to get constitutional carry and still have that, um, that oppression upon us, which would be, you know, that would be a, 
you know, on the one hand, a great victory. On the other, it would, uh, you know, we'd still have these draconian laws that are in place. So those are the questions we need to ask. Those are the things that we need to push. I, I wrote Governor DeSantis myself, whether he sees it or not, I don't know. And I pretty much said what I conveyed there, that so far his reputation has been great. But if he really wants to be a great example of a governor that really believes in freedom in the Constitution, he can't let states like Ohio, which Mike DeWine was a pretty, he was pretty weak when it came to handling COVID. He was one of the last governors to really pull back, Republican governors to pull back a lot of the restrictions. And he was reluctant about a lot of things. If he could sign constitutional carry, then Ron DeSantis should be embarrassed if he doesn't do that himself, especially with what's been going on in the state. It's clear to me that uh, Governor DeSantis does have national aspirations. If he sees the, if he's been reading the tea leaves and seeing where the country's been going, especially in red states, then he knows that constitutional carry is a popular uh, platform to jump on. It's the right thing to do, and I really hope that he'll do it. I have no doubt that if it's presented to him, he will have no issue signing it. But as far as you know, lighting a fire under the butts of the Republicans in the Florida legislature, that is something that we need to do. And without them, we're really not going to go anywhere because, again, I don't know what I don't know how motivated uh, Governor DeSantis is on that particular issue. I think uh, anything uh, anything short of that, you know, uh, will be a disappointment. But we'll see where where it goes. And, you know, kind of on, on the subject of Ron DeSantis, I, I don't know, Joe. Hey, wait, before you go, oh, into go, that, go for it. Let's go to the chat real quick. I want to give a shout out to everyone who's here. Triggerology, Armed Atlas, JC9, too many choices. I see all you, TJ. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, Confucius, nice to see everybody here in the chat. Um, I do want to say, catch up on the chat a little bit. Yeah, go for Besides it. Besides just saying hello. <laughs> and G Webs, of course. Amen. Um, okay, I see. So you put the uh, the information about the Georgia one, uh, Florida, just go to Florida's uh, website as well. And mm -hmm. I, I mostly want I don't I don't really know how special sessions work. I'm not a, uh, a lawyer here, but I'm assuming it's basically calling everybody back in yep. to do a um, brief version of what they usually do, which to me, it sounds like getting three things done in three days sounds like quite a bit of work. Yeah. Um, Arm Atlas in the chat sounds like uh, says sounds like he's trying to get elected. Um, depends. I think, um, I mean, redistricting can help him get reelected. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, this guy is going to be, whether he's going to be running for uh, something on the national stage or on the state stage, this guy has got big aspirations. I personally like to be a little bit selfish and say, uh, Santos needs to stay in Florida because he's good for Florida, mm -hmm. uh, especially with what we're going to be talking about next with Disney. Yep. But, um, you know, I, you know, it's no secret that he's got aspirations on the national level. And I think it will be, you know, we've said it time and time again, especially for the Second Amendment, state level is where it's at. So we need strong states. Um, so it's kind of sad to see the fighters being uh, that we actually have advocating for our rights going on to the national level. I know it's important to, you know, have some protection there, but states is where it's at. I mean, how many states have we had passed constitutional carry? Um, in the last couple of years is, is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, too many choices says trust no one and believe in half of what you see. Absolutely. That's what I feel about mostly about politicians. And I'm, you know, sometimes I feel bad because I see some inspiring politicians like, um, you know, we've, we've gotten to meet, uh, Anna Paluna, Paluna, Anna Paulina <laughs> Paulina. Luna. 
Uh, and I thought that she was a very strong, at least from what I saw, a very strong up and coming politician who truly did have the Second Amendment in her heart. Um, and she was, a, you know, like I was saying, she is a gun person. She loves she loves the guns and she lives the gun life. Um, you know, if someone who was not in our community heard me say that, they'd be like, oh, my word, what does that mean? But it just means <laughs> that she understands how important it is for your freedom. And she's an active, you know, practitioner of practicing um, her right to carry. So I think that's, you know, that's why I kind of trust her because that is part of her lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So in that case, but she, um, like I said, she'd probably be going, uh, she's not going to be at the state level. She's going to be on the national level representing the state if, if she gets in. Um, and, you know, that's why I say that with, uh, I just feel like even though you have some good politicians coming in, feel like the system itself corrupts you so hopefully those people will stay true to themselves um if they get in um triggerology agrees me 2a is not in the forefront of most politicians because 2a is truly a gateway for people realizing how much the government sucks at keeping us safe absolutely absolutely and um i was mentioning that yesterday about uh when we were on our stream um we were watching a podcaster called drunk 3po who's a primarily was a gaming and um, Star Wars podcaster. And then yesterday, I guess recently he's becoming more quote unquote political. And yesterday I almost felt like he was being apologetic to his audience. I'm sorry I'm being more political, but I can't help it. And I was like, nah, man, don't be sorry. And he, he gave a really compelling story about what triggered him into um, – being more awake and paying attention and now he feels a need to talk about politics and it's it's honestly it wasn't political at all it was just about you know the infringement of freedoms and he was talking yep. about how he didn't get to see his grandma before she passed away because of virginia and governor um Northrum, Northrum. um had some whack laws that people couldn't see people in the hospital during the height of the uh the superbug so you know it's things like that. So you may not be a political person and there's always some kind of gateway. And then once you get awakened to that gateway, you walk through that gateway, you, you understand um, that politicians are really not here looking out for mm -hmm. you. They're here for power and restriction. It's like, you're never going to be the same way. I feel like I really felt that story uh, hit me in my heart. And I was like, I really feel like telling him one day, like, I don't know the guy, but I want to be like, Hey, don't ever freaking apologize for waking up and not being a sheep anymore because that happens to everybody who's listening and everyone yep. who's here understands that we all have our story. For us, it was Parkland. We've talked about that, how we were just gun owners and then, it, you know, whatever it happens. Uh, triggerology, yeah, the two-way is definitely it. Once you become yep. a gun person, that's it. It's not about guns anymore. It's about freedom. Yep. Um, Confucius in the chat says, Warrior Poet Society podcast had Madison Cawthorn on must-see video. Uh, sure, I'll check it out for sure. Yep. DC uh, corruption. Yep. Uh, I mean, we know all about that. Look what we've been seeing recently with uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, how just before the election in 2020, all the uh, the New York posts, uh, posts on that were deleted. All the social media companies tried to, uh, tried to block that say, uh, and disregard it, say that it was a lie, say that it was Russian propaganda, et cetera. And now we know that they've all validated, they've all said it was true. And we're seeing, you know, wh whether we see anything come of that, we know that the jig is up and we know that the decks are stacked against us when it comes to these things. And the corruption of the media, 
the uh, of the politicians and the elites within the major corporations and Hollywood, all that combined really is uh is tough to it's tough to go up against. But I think more and more people are waking up uh, to that. And, you know, the more that we have exposure when it comes to those things, the better. So, uh, you know, uh, hopefully there will be people that come out with that and that can provide uh, the evidence. Because when you're dealing with powerful people like this, if you don't catch them literally with the smoking gun and then the receipts of where they got the smoking gun later on, I know we, we don't want <laughs> we don't want uh, uh, illegal information out there. But if you you know what I mean, metaphorically, if you don't find the evidence and then some they will never get any of these people. We saw that with Ghislaine Maxwell's trial after she was convicted, it didn't matter. Those files were sealed. Who she worked with, all of that was basically cast aside. So we know that there is a different set of rules when it comes to the elites and those in power and people like you and myself. Uh, we'll always get the book thrown at us. We'll always have to go into our life savings and bankrupt ourselves to try to survive legal legally and... Um, you know, uh, having words cast against us, having our reputations destroyed, they don't care. Thousands of people lost their jobs because of mandates that were then thrown out. We have shortages now because of the decisions that this administration has made that they've lied about. They're blaming everything that we're dealing with now on the war in, uh, with uh, between Ukraine and Russia. And now, obviously, that situation has exacerbated other issues. That's why we're going through supply chain issues and things like that. So, and we'll talk a little bit more. I, I want to say some things about the conflict that's going on in Ukraine too, but let's go, uh, let's continue on. Joe, I don't know if while I was ranting and raving there, if you brought yes, up an article, I, have, I do have one I have too. Sent, I have sent you like three things. Okay. But um, I also want to go to GWEB, so you have some questions. Okay, yeah, go for it. GWEB says, I was going to ask before, but you kind of covered it. Question, do you think he cares about gun owners? Do you think it looks good uh, nationally to champ, uh, champion constitutional constitutional carry i think it, it's a combination i think it's not that he doesn't care i just don't think he's a gun guy and i do think he knows that it's important to what some of the core of his party believes in not the rhinos but the actual people so if he's really caring about you know all the people the same people he you know if he's trying to be this freedom guy mm -hmm. uh you know and i i do think he's distancing himself from trump and trying to like come come on a different level than trump so I think that's going to be important for him um, to have that background and be able to say, hey, I did support gun gun rights, mm -hmm. or 2A, I should say. Um, then you went on to ask, do you think being deemed the 25th state for constitutional carry is a feather the states might want to position themselves for? Uh, or is that not a priority? I don't think that that's a priority, uh, especially not in this case. I think whichever state makes it will be cool that they were the 25th, but... Nobody's going to remember oh, you that. Seen, like the numbers? Yeah, that they made it like, oh, they're, they're the state that made us, you know, halfway there. Basically, I think that's cool for us. It's a it's a cool bit of trivia, but I don't think it really matters, especially not in this case, whether uh, Georgia or Florida gets it first. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Georgia will say something about it or, or you know, uh, or Governor DeSantis if he signs it first. But I, I don't think that's a big motivation. I think it's more politics than anything else. DeSantis, uh, look, I, I like him. I like what he's done. I don't trust any politician really anymore. So you always have to question whether motives are genuine, but it does seem that he's trying to position himself as the most conservative and freedom-oriented 
of all the potential 2024 candidates. And the difference between he and Trump is that he's a little bit more disciplined and he's, he's more savvy. Now, some people may think that's what makes Trump appealing because he's not a politician at all. So people can look at DeSantis and say, well, being polished is irrelevant because that could just be masked for lies. That's a legitimate concern. I think that his record shows otherwise. I think that if he's playing a game, he seems to enjoy the game that he's playing because it seems like he enjoys playing the part of the conservative firebrand that's not afraid to go after the media, that's not afraid uh, to go after major corporations like Disney, that is one of the largest employers in the entire state of Florida, that's a world-renowned corporation, one of the most valuable companies in the United States and the world. So I think that that shows a lot. And his discipline from his military experience and being a governor gives him a certain advantage that Donald Trump may not have had. But you also have, he also has the benefit of hindsight is 2020. He gets to, he has seen how the media attacked Donald Trump and he's been able to, you know, put up his defenses. And again, he's not as impulsive as Trump. So he's able to handle those things a little bit better. So Trump can go after the media. We can laugh at the tweets. We love it. DeSantis can do kind of the same thing, but he can articulate himself a little bit better. And he has a knowledge of history and legislation, obviously. So he can very easily counter Disney and their hypocrisy and say, well, you, uh, you do a lot of business and you think the Chinese Communist Party, when you made the movie Mulan, you have no issues pandering to an authoritarian regime there. You talk about how you feel that Florida is being discriminatory against the LGBTQ plus community, but Disney sends cruise ships to the Dominican Republic, which doesn't allow gay marriage and discriminates against, uh, you know, the LGBT community as well. So Dude, you're transitioning into Disney. I'm not done yet. I know. I know. So, so DeSantis is not afraid of that kind of stuff, but go ahead. He's Jeff. got, he's definitely got the bolas. As yeah. Say. He's got some balls. Yeah. Um, I just want to, I sent you an article okay. about, it was actually written, I think for MSNBC or something. I, what's I the, uh, what's the title of it? Oh, do, 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 do. Sent me a few here. So I want to see. Sorry. I sent you like 17 things The uh, from the daily beast, daily beast, making, okay. it, making it easy to carry a concealed gun is absolute madness. So <laughs> I brought this up because I wanted to kind of, I saw, I saw this article referenced earlier this week and I um track down the actual um of course now i can't even find it here it is um the actual article i think the original article wasn't on the daily beast it might have been on msnbc uh it was written by this guy michael cohen and i just wanted to share this because this is what we're going up against we already know that the anti-gunners the gun control freaks um the mom's demands all these people they We've gone on over this at length. The fear is not, you know, one, the fear is irrational. Two, the misinformation is actually much more. I know they accuse uh, conservatives, if you want to call us that, um, or freedom people, people who don't toe the party line, whatever they're doing. Um, they usually accuse us of misinformation. And it's ironic that they do this because they usually, especially with gun stuff, oh, my God. I mean, we make jokes and memes about it. You know, what's the what's the barrel shot? Is a thing on is it the thingy that goes on your shoulder that goes up? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh double barrel extended magazine clips. You know, how many how many times on how many memes do we have of people who should be quote unquote experts? You know, if you're voting on a law, please at least look up what you're talking about. You know, like 
So it's a common thing. They don't know Jack Dilly's squat about what they're voting about. They're voting on parts of guns being illegal. They don't even know what the hell the part is. They just assume the worst. Yep. So misinformation, they should shut their hypocritical traps about misinformation when they're the ones who don't have the freaking, uh, I don't even know if it's laziness or just work ethic, um, to look up what the hell they're writing or talking about or voting on. So uh, too many choices. Too many choices. One says I'm more anarcho-libertarian. If that's totally, a thing. It's totally, totally a thing. A thing. Yeah. It's totally a thing. <laughs> and, you know, we're definitely not, um, we say we're politically homeless. And I'm, I'm claiming that. I am, I'm definitely claiming that term. I don't care what, um, what was, you know, amazing Lucas said at that, at that, um, at that event that we went to where he got made fun of for saying that. I think that's a valid, valid thing to say when the Republican Party has made it um, so difficult to be Republican. And the Libertarians, as much as I enjoy them and as much as I want to be part of them, they also need to get their act together because they have a million things going on and they're not at all unified on their views or values. So mm-hmm. that's the work in progress. Push comes to shove, I'll probably say I'm a Libertarian. Yeah. Let's be honest. But anyway, Little L Libertarian. Um, little L Libertarian. But anyway, my point is about misinformation. And this article, I heard it being referenced, so I tracked it down. And the reason I heard it being referenced, if you scroll down, this article is about how constitutional carry is dangerous. And the reason why it says it's dangerous is because it eliminates not only licensing, but background checks, which is complete bullcrap because it's not at all what yeah, it Yeah, that's does. not at all what it does. So, I mean, like, you can see even the rhetoric on how it starts. Every day in the U.S., more than 110 Americans are killed with a gun. And by the way, these statistics are questionable because as we've gone over in the show the majority of deaths by gun are self-inflicted suicides so once again it's not a gun issue because people are going to suicide or going to suicide whether they do it by gun by or by an alternate mean and we've already proven this with statistics when other in other shows another um other shows we've gone over the statistics of um you know when i think it was biden who uh when he first got elected you know he was claiming that suicide rates have gone down because of gun control, and it's a lie, uh, gun-inflicted or gun-caused suicides have gone down, but then other kinds of suicides have gone up by the same percentage. So it's mm-hmm. not like anyone helped these people. You know, it didn't help. They didn't, did they do any, did they pass any legislation to help people get more mental health? Uh, did they do anything like that? No, they haven't. So how are they going to, you know, congratulate themselves and pat themselves on the back for helping people you know, uh, avoid suicide when all they're doing is just, well, you can't do it this way. Got to find another way to do it. Yep. So that's my two cents on that. So these statistics are hogwash, but anyway, so they well, start off by saying how many people are killed with a gun. And then if you scroll down to what the actual meat and potatoes of this is these new laws, however, remove all restrictions, no background check, no training, no shooting exercises, indeed in permitless, in permitless, permit, permitless concealed carry states, Residents can buy a weapon and carry it hidden on their body, even if they have no idea how to use that weapon properly. It's always the fear mongering that we see, don't we? You know, yeah. you know, part of this, part of the problem, and this goes to a wider issue too, aside from the fact that they want to restrict people's rights, is it comes down to the fact that we live in a society that likes to. Um, likes to get rid of their responsibility as few responsibilities as a person can have 
the better. That's what we celebrate every day. It's not your fault. It's somebody else's fault. Somebody's discriminating against you. Somebody oppressed you. Um, you uh, were disadvantaged because you were born a certain way. And uh, now we have to do whatever we can to make sure that you have no responsibilities, including uh, maintaining uh, your own safety. So we went from a society where it was expected, you know, for people to be able to sustain themselves, for people to be able to protect themselves, to now this nanny state, essentially, that we live in. And you can see here that if we lived in a society that was not so uh, gun-averse, where we live in fear every single day, where we ingrain into our society to be fearful sheep, not just sheep in following things, but in sheep and how we live in fear, whether it was what happened over the last two years, whether it's guns, whether it's Russia, uh, aliens, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's always something that they're looking to cause fear. And if instead we went from fear to actually trying to empower people, which that's a word they love to use in t uh, all the time, empowerment, then people would rally to that personal responsibility and do better for themselves. So maybe if in schools, instead of trying to teach children what they identify as and confusing the crap out of them and making them think about things that they shouldn't as children, instead of the basic principles of freedom of speech, math, uh, learning how to write, some of those basic survival skills, societal survival skills, and even introducing basic gun uh, gun handling in schools again, that would go a long way. It's, a, it's an American tradition. If you're going to have government schools, it makes no sense that the government is not trying to educate the people on the Constitution and the rights herein. Now, I did grow up in public school. I had a pretty good, uh, I, I'm pretty fortunate that I had a lot of pretty good teachers that weren't woke, uh, especially as I went into high school. I had a lot of teachers that taught about freedom and independence, and they taught me about the Constitution and a lot of those great subjects. I'm fortunate a lot of people weren't in that same position. But I could see how teachers like that that were given the opportunity to do more could have taught you know students the responsibility of gun ownership or, or how to be a responsible gun owner, the tradition herein, why it's important. And you know when you build that sense up, it's funny that the government is trying to break us apart right now, turn us against one another to try to obtain power. But you would almost think that a government that allows people to be free, that encourages that, encourages gun ownership, personal responsibility, would garner a little bit more loyalty from the people. And I'm not one that's that's all for following the government here. I'm in pretty much I'm pretty anti-status when it comes to these things. But I can tell you that when somebody doesn't get in my way, let's take Governor DeSantis for example. I don't like politicians, but I like what he's done here. And he would get my vote, and he will get my vote if he uh, if he runs for governor again. Uh, so, and part of that is because it seems like he treats us like adults. He treats us with respect, and that's what people demand. So you'd be surprised if you give the American people more freedom. Look at the period before World War II when we had a government that we trusted, even though we had FDR and a bunch of progressives at, at around that time. We'd come out of the Great Depression. People were willing. Obviously, America was attacked. That's a big motivation. Same thing after September 11th. But there's more a sense of duty and patriotism. And part of that comes from if you give the people freedom to live their lives and you don't interfere with them, you treat them with respect, you allow them to, uh, you know, the freedoms and equal rights that they're supposed to have, they might just might want to protect the country a little bit more and, you know, do things that benefit everybody. 
But when the government is adversarial, accusatory, trying to treat us like we're invalids or children or enemies, really, let's be honest, a lot of times that's how it feels because all we want are the freedoms that we were guaranteed under the Constitution, the rights that we were you know, bestowed upon by God, our creator, or even just existing in this universe, if you don't believe in that, that's too much to ask for. And that's just, that's wrong to ask for. And uh, it seems like that's where we are. And we have a lot of people like uh, the writer of this, the author of this article that would point against that. So we have a society now that's been pointing towards, uh, been celebrating what the Ukrainian people are, are doing against the Russian military juggernaut right now. And they don't seem to understand why we want everyone in this country to have the opportunity to own a firearm. Now, do I think it behooves people to practice with their firearm? Of course, you should dry fire practice every day, but that doesn't change. So when something terrible happens to you and you know the basics of points in the direction, uh, you know, make sure that there, uh, there's a round in the chamber, pull the trigger and make sure there's nothing behind you. You follow the four rules of gun safety. I think that those are important and any other, uh, you know, techniques that you have that will increase your chances of success, which really that's what training really is for. It's increasing your chances of success. You want to make things safer, of course, but defending your own life is inherently an unsafe situation because it's unpredictable what may happen there. So you want to do things the best way that you possibly can to guarantee the outcome that you're looking for, which is ultimately surviving and neutralizing the threat. doesn't mean that you have to go out and take somebody's life uh, every time, uh, that you're in a terrible situation, which hopefully, uh, you know, I say that like that could happen often. Hopefully it never happens and it won't to most of us. But, you know, we have friends like um, young Mike um, that we've had on the show before who's been in, you know, two self-defense situations now. So that's somebody that we know personally that's had to use his firearm to defend his life and the life of his family and, uh, and a friend. So it can definitely happen to you and you want to be prepared. And there's no reason why the government should infringe on your rights, again, to defend yourselves against all enemies, foreign domestic. Sometimes that enemy is somebody that wants to take away your stuff or take away your life senselessly. We've been seeing a lot of crimes like that in New York lately, where it seems that there are either people that are nihilists that don't care about anything because they've lost everything or that may be mentally ill living on the streets that are killing other innocent people. Sometimes it's just pure maliciousness like, that lady that pushed um, the old woman down uh, the set of stairs and she died. She was a music teacher, I believe. And she was pushed by another woman that was like in her 30s that seemed like she had a pretty successful life herself. So senseless acts like that can happen every day. You have the right to be able to defend yourself. We're seeing that uh, taken away in a lot of uh, major cities. We've seen that taken away over the last few years. And we have an example internationally of a country where now the people are scrambling to get whatever they can. And you see that in some cases they're using surplus weapons from World War II uh, in Ukraine. So I'd rather not have surplus weapons here. I would like to use uh, the most modern and capable weapons we have to defend myself, my family, and if need be, my country. And you know what? If my country and my government uh, leave me alone and you know give me a little bit more responsibility, allow me to... Uh, you know, live the way that I want. I'm more inclined to help them out if they've got a problem. So I think that's pretty much common sense. So Joe, I know I went on a rant there. What do you have to say? I'm good. I, I appreciate that rant. Um, and I appreciate some of the things in the chat. Yeah, let's well. check out the chat. 
uh, we were talking about Rand Paul in the chat. Screaming Skull Saloon says he agrees with uh, 80, about 80% with what Rand Paul says on most matters. Uh, and he, too many choices. One says President Ron Paul would have saved America trillions and kept us out of so much. Yeah, if Ron Paul would have been, yeah, it would have been great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and too many choices goes on to say he's actually for all, all for gun control in quotation marks. And what he meant by that is follow the safety rules, two hands on the weapon, hit the target. Gun control is a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. pretty much control your gun. <laughs> uh, like that. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much, uh, summarizing that i did send you a couple more things it's time for bearing arms about um some Let's other things going on in the gun stuff but if you want to you can transition into disney since we've been talking about DeSantis. santa so i think it's a good transition point at this point to start talking about yeah yeah let's go over there so uh yeah we've been talking about DeSantis a little bit tonight obviously uh again we're focusing on florida we encourage everyone the most power that you can have is in your own state and your own uh locality so focus there Obviously, the things that uh, happen nationally are big news. What we see with uh, with Joe Biden and his continuing bumbling through the presidency and taking us on the verge of international crisis after international crisis, there's not too much that we can do about that, you know. Um, but we can focus on what's going on locally. We saw what happened with Virginia. They uh, elected Governor Yunkin. We see throughout the country school boards have been dropping uh, you know, administrators because of their woke ideology and trying to push certain agendas here. So there's a lot of hope. And in Florida, like I said, this is the one place, maybe not necessarily the Second Amendment yet, where we've uh, the state has pretty much been leading the way. So if you recall, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Parental Rights and Education Act, which the left and the media has been uh, slandering as the don't say gay bill, which is absolutely absurd because it doesn't say anything like that at all. Anything we should call it the anti-grooming act. Yeah. Anti-grooming act or don't groom kids act. Yeah. Trying to basically restricting teachers and administrators at schools from teaching children about things that they really shouldn't know at an early age. I don't understand why it's so like it's, it's called to people that don't say gay bill because honestly, it's it should say don't say sex bill. It's not whether you're straight or gay or yeah. whatever. It's about not bringing up sexual matters uh, in classrooms in certain ages. Yeah. That's all it says. And you and know, anyone who calls it don't say gay hasn't freaking read it. Yep. Yeah. And you know, it's also, you know, there are a lot of procedures that are done to children now because they think that they may be a certain way. There's really no way to judge what a what a child is you know i used to pretend i was a dinosaur all the time because i loved jurassic park and i played with the action figures i'd run around you know acting like i had a tail and that you know i would make you know stomping sounds on the ground when i was like seven or eight years old did my parents think i was going to be a dinosaur did they need to buy me a cage and raw meat and feed me all that stuff no they didn't because they understood kids have an imagination some kids are going through things. You never know what's going on in families if parents may be doing bad things or a relative. So you don't know you don't know what's going on there to judge a child and say, yeah, you're this because of what you say when it may be something else. You know, I heard a story the other day of, uh, uh, oh, this was actually on Drunk's podcast because he said he was a teacher. He, he talked about a young girl that came in that, essentially said that it seemed like she wanted to uh, harm herself and she said it would be better off if she didn't exist. As a teacher, he thought, well, maybe she wants to end her own life. This is pretty dangerous. Let me bring this up. 
After speaking with the child a little bit more and finding out more information, uh, she found out that the family had actually been going through hard times. I guess it was a single uh, mother household and she was, you know, uh, having trouble making ends meet, buying food. And this kid basically thought, you know, as kids do in, in a child's logic that if, if she didn't exist, then she, the, her mom would have enough money to buy food for her, her younger brother. So, you know, not, she wasn't depressed or anything that she wanted to actually, you know, hurt herself. It was more of a, if, if I could do this, if I disappeared, then I would help, you know, my family out because they would need less. Um, so, you know, it's examples like that, that, you know, you don't always know what's going on. It may lead to opening more doors in a deeper situation. So we don't need to talk about, uh, you know, sexuality or things like that to children and parents that may be same sex parents don't need to worry about this because you're, we're not, the, the law doesn't have anything to do with discriminating against same sex couples or, or trans people or anything like that. It's saying that we're not going to talk about certain subjects with kids, especially when it deals with their identity and things like that, because you may make have permanent consequences for a child that doesn't know what's going on right now. And children can be heavily influenced by, by people, especially in school. You spend most of your time in school as a child. You're there, you know, seven or eight hours a day. So a lot of times nowadays, unfortunately, you have households where both parents work. They don't have as much time to spend with their children, even though they should make every effort to do so. I'm one of those people that, if you want to have kids, you have to try to make the time to spend with them. You don't want somebody else raising your kids because then when your kids end up a way that you don't want, you really can't blame anybody because you were you were disengaged. So try to take the time that you can be involved with your kids, read with them at night, spend time with them, take them out on trips, ask them about their day at school, their friends, their teachers, what's going on, you know, be engaged, um, you know, you don't. Too many parents, I think, try to be friends with their kids. You can do that, but know that you're their guardian. You're their leader, especially when they're young. As they get older, more mature, they understand things. You can have a more friendship approach with them. Obviously, when I started going to college, I had a totally different relationship with my parents at that point. They treated me like an adult, like a, like a man, and we could have different conversations that you wouldn't have with a child, and that should be up for the parents to decide themselves. But, you know, creating an environment where teachers can lie to parents about things that are going on, push them to make certain decisions that can be life-altering, that's immoral. And there's no place for somebody outside of your family to make those decisions, especially not the government itself. So I don't see any controversy here unless you want to control children and you want to push them into a certain way. And, you know, I, I just think it's pretty selfish and insidious to do so. So this is the fight that we've been having. Governor DeSantis signed the bill into law. It'll be effective, I believe, July 1st. And we've been seeing some of the backlash from it, which Disney at first, uh, Bob Chapek, their CEO, was kind of taking a hands-off approach. He was like, ah, well, you know, uh, we did what we could. It is what it is. But now Disney has gone all in. They are saying that they are going to go with this. They've re resurrected um, you know, different scenes and movies that they're going to have that have, you know, like same sex scenes and things like that. And retaliation, for some reason, they think that that's retaliatory. Uh, it's kind of childish to do things like that for those reasons, but it is what it is. And we've been seeing more and more employees within Disney and people on, you know, just normal Joe and Jane on the street saying that they're not going to take this anymore and they don't appreciate what Disney has done. So I'm going to bring up this article. Joe, uh, do you have, let me send this one to you so you can uh, check it out. 
while you bring that up, I did want to throw in my two cents yes. about someone who has worked with kids for um, many, many years. I'm going to say, like, it's been about 15 years that I've been volunteering with kids, um, ages like 8 to 14. And it's it's even before all this stuff was brought up, I think I've mentioned it to you how I came back one year from um, my volunteer uh thing that I do over the summers and I came home one year and I was disturbed and I mean you know that age group is kind of interesting because it's like eight is still very like kid-like and then like you come back the next year you maybe you got the nine-year-old and it's the same nine-year-olds and you remember them as being very childlike and then nine or ten all of a sudden it's like the hormones hit and they start talking about boys and all that stuff so yes that definitely had some has something to do with it well like I said I've been doing this for over 10 years, closer to 15 years. And, you know, the last couple of years, nothing's been going on because of COVID. You know, the program's been shut down. But prior to this, this the last summer that I was actually physically there, I came home and I was like, what in the world is going on? Because, I mean, I'm used to, you know, like when we have downtime, the, the girls get together. I don't like to restrict them. It's summertime. They can do whatever they want on their free time. And I remember, you know, the girls would always have different conversations. But the last year I was there, the conversations were definitely much more sexual. Um, and I would overhear them talking about, you know, how many of them were, were thinking about getting with a girl instead. I'm like, these girls are like 10. Um, and half the cabin would be like, oh, yeah, I think I'm bi or gay. And I'm like, these proportions are very weird. Um, so I definitely like want to say from personal anecdotal experience, like the trend has been going towards... I've noticed kids, and this just, just might be just a generation thing, or it might be the hypersexualization of kids throughout the, the last 10 years, um, you know, the ramping up of that. But I've noticed it in the last, the last time I was there. I was like, this is not what I'm used to. And I think there was a, an article, which I could not find now, but there was an article I saw reference, um, I think it was either on Twitter or on IG, about a classroom in Texas that had two thirds of the classroom um, identifying. There were like 10, you know, definitely grade school age and two thirds of the classroom, um, you know, identified as avidly LGBTQ. And I mean, I'm sorry, but statistics wise, that's very rare. And you can't help but wonder, is it real or is it because it's part of being like almost like a club now. Like, and I feel like this is true because when I was a kid, I was in theater and not to be a stereotype, but uh, the majority of, of my classmates in theater were um, LGBTQ. And I saw some of my friends switch from being straight to being gay because they were curious because you're a kid and you're curious and you want to be like your friends. So is there some fluidity when you're a kid? Probably. Um, should we encourage it? No, it's, it's kids are curious. And I saw one of my guy friends go from being straight to being gay to being straight again. Guess what? He's married. Mm -hmm. He's straight. He might be bi, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just when you're influenced from your friends and what's cool, that does affect you as a kid. So imagine it on the level of it's on Nickelodeon. It's on Disney. It's being shoved down your throat at school. It's all over the news. It's everywhere. You're, you've got these, you know, sorry to say, but uh, white moms are like, I don't understand what their deal is, what all the defenders of this tend to be. Every time I see somebody defending yeah, the this, typical suburban it's mom, just a white suburban mom who's straight and married. I'm like, yeah. why are you shoving this? Or 
you know, something on Instagram where it's like, I my my son wanted to wear makeup, so I did his makeup, and now he's expressing himself as a girl. Yeah. It's like, do you know how many kids want like so many little boys want to like see their mommy putting on makeup and they want to try it? Like, then these people go haywire and be like. They identify as a girl. It's like, no, he just wants to freaking put on makeup for a second because you're wearing makeup. It doesn't make him want to put on a dress. You know, like, mm-hmm. they're they're pushing it. And I think it's so strange. Um, but that's just my anecdotal information or my anecdotal tape from noticing the trends over the past 10, 15 years have shifted so radically that I noticed it even before this was a rhetoric that was being pushed down everyone's throat on the news Disney, Nickelodeon, like, I don't, again, I don't have a problem with gay, straight, bi, whatever. Um, it is, you know, that's whatever you want to identify as, but I just have a problem with it being super just an agenda for kids. And I just don't know where that comes from. Yeah, it, it's... And I do want to say that I have seen people in the gun community and I'm, I'm going to call out, I'm going to, sorry, Rolando, I, I'm I'm not, <laughs> you, you know, this is you can do you can do whatever you want. You know, I don't. I'm gonna your... call that armed agenda, uh, armed agenda, armed, armed, um, armed equality, because they say that people are these are this this is this is uh, they felt attacked and that they felt like uh, their community is being attacked. And I'm like, I and specifically about the pedophile and, and kids uh, thing, but I don't understand why they feel like they're being attacked. It's if you're not pushing a children's agenda, then you shouldn't feel attacked. It is what it is. It's, yeah. it's you know, I don't want to disagree with people in my own community, the gun community, but they're really, I've noticed them making posts about this and they feel like, you know, anybody who feels this way is a, is a conspiracy theorist, is a Trumper, is a MAGA, is off the rocker and that this, that this is all a fake, but it's just pay attention to the news. It's not fake. It's real. Yeah. Well, and then I've always said, like, I just think that sometimes there's in our society, I think in the U S and now this is going to be even more controversial. This is, well, maybe not that controversial, but I've had this conversation with Joe a lot of times and, uh, and a few of our other friends, I feel like every time that there's something that I, it, it could be in other countries, but let's just use our country for example, because it seems prominent here. Whenever something terrible has happened in the U S there always is a correction, but it's typically an overcorrection in the extreme direction. So let's look at a couple of different examples. So mental health in this country. So we used to have mental health facilities and insane asylums where we would send people, they would do horrible things to them, experiment on them, lobotomize them, inhumane things. So we went from that, which was one terrible extreme to now today, where essentially psychologists don't do anything and it's all about medicating people and obfuscating issues. So we went from physical treatment that was barbaric and wrong, instead of going to the middle, which is combining physical, you know, having hospitals for people to go to to find help uh, and things like that, to now, well, let's just throw drugs at the problem. Like, let's not even deal with this. We don't want it to go there. Um, You know, we're so ashamed of what we did in the past that we've moved to now a medicative society. Uh, Dr. Dr. Drew Pinsky actually talks about this a lot. He's talked about it in the past, and he's a big uh, kind of activist against what uh, the realm of psychology has become today. Uh, the feminist movement, I think, is another example where we went from we wanted women to be equal, uh, to have the right to vote, where I think that we've overcorrected to the point where you see less men going to college now than women. 
where masculinity is being destroyed and uh and you know basically if you're a man who behaves like a man and not a bad person just having male qualities then it's seen as a negative quality we're seeing the feminization of basically men and so that's again an overcorrection because in the past we did not give women equal rights now we've gone too far to the point where we're basically pushing down men in order to raise up women and now ironically we're pushing down women in order to raise up men that that uh, identify as women so it's this crazy circle of overcorrection and again it has to do with i think that we feel terrible for things that happen in the country and then we overcompensate for it you know it's like uh, you know if you feel bad for something that you did to your kid or something like you yelled at him and you give them basically you know a, a brand new computer every time that you yell at your kid and you feel bad about it uh, you know, that's ridiculous. That's not the right thing to do. You apologize and you let them know that, that was wrong. You don't have to give them a huge reward. So this is what happens where I, I think we do an overcorrection societally and we don't think about, wait a second. Yes, we need to help this group that may have actually been discriminated against, but not at the detriment of the people that are already here and make them feel bad. You know, bad people should feel bad about things that they've done and they should be, you know, castigated for that. But if you're just if if you're if you're a white person you shouldn't be responsible for slavery or anything like that in the modern era if you know uh, or if you're a straight person you shouldn't feel bad that you know uh, gay people were discriminated against and couldn't get married that's not your fault you know and you shouldn't have to answer for those things and i think that again we've gone to this over overcorrection in society and it's leading to these problems and these clashes because we never took the time to say all right Let's how, how do we solve these problems? How do we actually solve these problems the best way possible to make sure that the most people can succeed? And you're always going to have some people that are left behind that fall through the cracks because that's the way that society goes. Some people just can't make it because of certain situations. Uh, maybe they've got, you know, a certain disability or something like that, that physically they can't do certain things. So they need different types of help. Other people may choose to just not accept the help at all and say, F you, I don't care. I'm just going to go my own way. And if I end up on the street uh, blowing all my money and doing different stuff, then that's, you know, I really don't care. So there's, are, those are always going to be people sometimes that you leave behind or that, um, you know, may not be as successful as we want for everybody. But that's being, that's living in a realistic society. And I think that we can come together and we can look at, at, uh, at these things and we can say, you know, it, it's as if that we've gone from the opposite spectrum where the left always used to talk about like uh, evangelical Christianity and how, you know, there was the period of time where we wanted to censor explicit music, violent video games. And a lot of times that was on the conservative side that we saw those for religious and moralistic reasons. Now we're seeing the opposite. And it's like the left has created this secular progressive religion where they have their ideals, their protected classes, the certain things that you say almost the chance that you have to have. And it's, it's ironic that the side that used to talk about freedom and, and, you know, uh, sticking it to the man, the hippie generation is now the oppressive side and they've created their own kind of societal religion to do. And it has to do with this wokeness and pushing certain agendas that are a detriment to the people that are even following them because you have so many people that you can see that need help. There are a lot of people, the, some of the biggest, the loudest voices on the left, you see some of these people and you understand this person needs help. They've obviously gone through something bad in their life 
that they feel this way now and they're they're saying things that are illogical. So what happened here? What can we do? And this is what happens with that side of the spectrum that we're seeing now that they push certain agendas, they make people essentially go crazy and they have no standards. So that's why you end up with con confusing everybody saying, oh, do we have, you know, uh, right now I'm, I'm going on a little bit ranty now, but you know, they're going to add an X option to the passport. Is that even good enough for the left? Because last time I checked, there was more than a hundred different, um, there were more than a hundred different genders. And then can you even, 60. yeah. And the, well, you know, there's like 90, it's different based on who you say, and that's part of the problem. So can they even agree on that being the third one? Is that good enough? Or do you have to list all, all, however many there are? Can we even have women on, on the passport there? Because apparently a Supreme Court, uh, somebody who's a candidate for the Supreme Court can't define what a woman is. So uh, this Wasn't is the whole point of gender or sorry, sex, not gender, sex, because I think the word on the passport is sex. Um, wasn't the whole point of that is just to identify you to have yeah. an identification. So does it matter uh, what you identify as as long as they can identify you physically so you can go through uh, the airport past TSA? To me, it's like, you know, my passport says I have brown eyes, but I actually have hazel eyes. Am I going to jump up and down about that? No, it's just yeah. the guy's going to look at me and say, okay, it's you. Go on. So, I, I mean, I think it's a little bit, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. That's just me. And and again, so we, we do things to kind of hide other problems so that we don't have to deal with issues that are there. You know, um, I've heard stories of people that have gone through bad things and it's made them question what they believe. Uh, you gave an example of some of your friends in the theater class of how kids can be influenced and they think that they might be something that they're not or that they're trying to do a certain person they realize that they're not. And, you know, these are human things. This is what happens. And that doesn't mean that you're fluid, that you're not a, a man or you're, you're not a, a, a woman or anything like that. It just means that you're a human being and human beings are chaotic and messy. We're emotional. We can be illogical. We do crazy things sometimes or things that other people think are crazy but seem normal to us. And uh, and that's just how it is. That's part of being a human. And I don't know where we went off where a couple of decades ago it was, yeah, like when you go through puberty or something like that, kids act crazy and they do crazy stuff and they're going to they're going to do things that you wouldn't you should say that they're not going to that they shouldn't do, but since time immemorial, that's what humans have done. They make mistakes and they learn from them. Some people don't and they win the Darwin Awards and they suffer the consequences other people do and they live normal lives like the vast majority of human beings have throughout the ages. So I don't know why this just seems like this is called coming of age. This is the human tradition in and of itself. But now we've confused it to destroy ourselves and to basically, again, it's the overcorrection and we create new victims. So the victims of the feminist movement and its overcorrection are men, modern men nowadays being cast aside. The, the, uh, the mental health issue, we're all victims of that. We see homeless people on the streets. So again, we overcorrected instead of finding help, we threw drugs and money at the problem. We didn't solve the reason why are people on the streets like this? Why do they have these addictions? What can we do to stop this? What are the mental health issues? Uh, is it something that we've caused? Could it be the wars that we've sent in and not caring about our veterans? Could it be that we're allowing other countries to send drugs here like fentanyl that are killing our people by the thousands? Could it be that some of our pharmaceutical companies are the ones that are doing evil things? We don't want to ask any of those questions. 
We don't care about any of that stuff. We just want to throw easy solutions at complex problems. And that's why they continue to snowball. And all we do is trade either one problem for another or one now group of victims for another. And it's an endless cycle instead of solving the problems that we, uh, that we actually have and looking at the deeper meaning. So that's what we've seen. You know, I, I see uh, too many choices says it's the schools and parents not saying together that has a, an effect, but again, it's part the government and society has been pushing against that. When you have, Look, BLM talked about the destruction of the nuclear family. A lot of left-wing organizations have talked about that because the basic family unit, mom, dad, kids, that is as intimate and as cohesive as it gets. That is the base level of society that we have. Everything grows from there. That is, that's, that's your building block. So if you don't encourage families to stay together, you don't encourage people to have healthy relationships, and you base it only on, I mean, it really seems like they base everything on physical aspects because it's funny. You can't define a woman, but you can tell me what a woman looks like because you identify as one and you start dressing like one. So it almost seems like the feminine stereotypes are what you are, what some of these uh, people seem to aspire to. And it's just kind of ironic because I mean, that simultaneously seems sexist and um, dismissive to me. I don't know. It's uh. So it, this isn't about trans. If you are trans or not. If you no, trans, no, it you isn't. Want to identify as a as a woman, go for it. Um, yeah, it's really the about. The point is, yeah, go for it. What is? Yeah, I, just, I just want to say this is not trans bashing. Yeah, at all. and it's it's You're about trans. Be trans. That's fine. Yeah, it's about imposition. It's about uh, a lack of understanding. It's it's about a, a lack of realism too, because I think there's got to be give and take here. You can't expect somebody to know what you are if you look like a certain thing. And yes, people are going to judge you based on how you look. That is the human experience. It doesn't matter how far away we get on that. Somebody's going to judge you on your appearance. If you're unkempt, if you look if you look like what you were born as, but you're but you look something else, you have to be you have to be sympathetic to other people and understand they're not going to realize that right away. And that's that's just kind of a burden that you have to carry. It's like anything that we go through. I've got ADD. I forget things a lot. Uh, it's really annoying and it really sucks. It, it's frustrating at times. So do, but does that mean that other people need to accommodate to me? Sure. If they're nice, they can do that, but that's not an expectation. And guess what? They have the right to be assholes too and say, look, dude, you forget a lot of things. It annoys the crap out of me. I don't want to deal with you. And it's like, well, Hey, that happens. It's not anyone's obligation to be nice to you or to do anything like that. And I think that's part of the problem that you have the right to behave how you want, but people have the right to react how they want too. And it doesn't mean that they need to be disrespectful to you or anything like that. You just have to understand that some people don't want to be your friend are not going to want to be your friends in life. And I think that's something that we forget that people are too, everyone has to like me. Everyone has to accept me. No, they don't. They don't because you yourself don't accept a lot of these other people either. So why, why do you want to be around? Why do you want people to fake certain things around you. If people don't want to treat you the way that you want to be treated, don't hang out with them. That's kind of the way that it is. And that's the way that I've always looked at it in life. And sometimes that means going down a difficult, lonely path. It can be, it's tough, but again, that's life. And we've gone too far in the direction that we are allowing people to forget what it is to be human and the burden and the struggle that comes with that. Even when you're blessed, you know, it's going to be a, uh, 
it's going to be a real, uh, it's, it's tough what we're going through. We've had a lot of other, we've had great guests in the past, like uh, Chris Chang. He's obviously gay. We know that. Uh, we talked, we asked him a question about kind of how he felt about the wokeness and things. And he gave his opinion. You can check out that episode. He's friend of the show. We love Chris. So it's not even anything about that because we even see that, you know, there are people that are gays and lesbians that are discriminated against by the woke side too, because of their personal beliefs or because they're attracted to people of the same biological sex that they are. And that's something that should be respected too. So that's the problem. It's this imposition, this lack of respect that seems to go both ways and this desire to have everyone like you. And that's not an obligation, nor should it be an expectation of everyone. And, it, you know, it just, it, it's going to be a struggle that we're going to deal with because, again, the overcorrections throughout the decades on many issues have exacerbated problems and they've come snowballing. So the chickens have come to roost, so to speak. And now, it's going to be tough because you are seeing a backlash against, uh, against, uh, against what's going on. People are waking up and they're tired of it. And here's what I have to say. If you have a lot of bad actors that have essentially become the leaders of your movement, you should probably try to purge these people as the leaders of your movement because they, they make, they make things worse for everybody else. Let's be perfectly honest. If we had, uh, a lot of crazy people out there that were actually saying like, oh yeah, we got to go take, uh, we got to uh, bust some skulls on the other side and, you know, cause some harm or, you know, we have to impose our will on these people. Like we want constitutional carry and we're going to make you carry guns too. Like that's not cool. We don't want that. That, that would be an extremist position. If there are people that I want people to just respect, Hey, you guys want to carry and own guns. That's awesome. It's not for me. And I won't infringe upon your rights. That's pretty much what we want. So people don't have to agree with you. They don't have to like your lifestyle. They don't have to do those things. But at the end of the day, if you leave them alone and uh, they leave you alone, that's that's really what you want in the society. I don't care if I'm liked as long as I'm free. I mean, that's pretty simple to me. But some people would rather be liked than to be free. So I went on a huge, I went on a huge tangent there and didn't actually read the article. I just want to say that you say that phrase of chickens coming home to roost yeah. quite often, and <laughs> I got curious about it. Do we need an emoji? Pictures, I, I don't know, but I went and looked at chickens roosting, and I've been looking at pictures of chickens roosting for the last like, <laughs> two minutes. I just want to uh, be honest. That's awesome. So don't ask me anything right now. I'm just looking at chickens roosting. Oh, man. And then uh, uh, mandatory carry is like, he's the you must carry guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. We appreciate I mean, you always being in the chat. That's a cool idea. I'm not going to lie. It's a cool idea. Sure. So. But, but I mean, I'm just using the example. Like people, but then they're yeah. also taking away the freedom to not carry. Exactly. Not so, carry. so but that's what you stand for. So, I mean, yeah, that's you. totally that's different. You believe in. Yeah. But I'm just, I was using that example more of if somebody on the other side pushes back and says, you have to, you know, use the correct pronouns or you have to treat me, uh, you have to acknowledge that I'm something that you may not believe that I am. Um, I mean, just walk away and that's fine if they don't acknowledge you, like get over it. It is what it is. Just like, you're not going to like the fact that I carry around a gun. Like there's a lot of people that don't, but guess what? You kind of have to accept it. And that's just the way that it is. And I'm not going to go disrespect you and be like, haha, I'm carrying a gun. Look at this. Like screw you any more than you should be like, oh, well, because I'm this way, I'm going to like stick it to you and, and really like make you pay. It's like, no, that's not what we want. So, <laughs> so. 
But, you know, these are the approaches. This is what we deal with, and this is the fight that we've got. And it seems like more and more people, uh, parents and employees of Disney, are starting to fight back upon this. Because, again, think about where we were 10 years ago. And a lot of people, you look, a lot of people said that there was going to be slippery slopes from a lot of these things. It, it's cliche, but there are. There are always consequences for decisions. They can be good. They can be bad. I think that the problem that we've had in this country, a lot of cases, is that we do overcorrections. Uh, it's like we feel guilty about things in the past, so we almost, we, we flip the table. So whereas before, certain people's rights were being restricted or completely uh, just cast aside, now we kind of, in order to, uh, you know, I guess people feel like they're helping certain groups, it's almost like you take the rights of other groups away or you make them feel as if they don't have the same advantages or they're a second-class citizen. That's something that we're against. And that's how a lot of people that believe in freedom feel too, beyond race, uh, creed, religion, or sexual orientation. Just your own personal beliefs of freedom can make you feel like you're being discriminated against. And that's uh, what we're seeing here. So this is from the Daily Mail. Disney boycott furious families are swearing off the entertainment conglomerate as they accuse it of surrendering to the woke mob and indoctrinating their children. We'll go through the bullet points and then just a little bit of this article. Many Disney-loving Americans are boycotting the entertainment conglomerate. We we boycotted them a while ago. Uh, moves come after top brass of the company vocalized opposition to Governor Ron DeSantis's education bill. The so-called, I'm not even going to say that and give them the power. It's the Parental Rights and Education Act. Disney employees walked out of the company headquarters last week to protest the slow response to the Florida law. I believe it was only like a handful of people. It was pretty embarrassing. And like one dude in Florida. They also point to the other moves by the newly woke Disney, such as including a same-sex kiss in the new Lightyear movie and adding racism warnings to children's classics such as Peter Pan and The Jungle Book. Disney's opposition to the bill has turned off many Americans who see the company's shift to woke policies as hypocritical. Disney has surrendered to the woke mob and is using its platform to indoctrinate the children of America into becoming the woke activists of tomorrow. Texas father of two, Trent Talbot, said. General Entertainment President Kerry Burke is doubling down and said that Disney must do more to be uh, must do more to be more inclusive, including a company wide uh, during a company wide Zoom call. Wasn't Kerry Burke the? Um, she was the, the one that said they need to double yeah. the amount of content that they've got. Or something like no, that. No, because she said she was a as a mom of two uh, queer children or something like that. So it's interesting to me that you know that because she's got two gay kids, she wants to double down and double the amount of content. Um, How could, that's uh, a personal thing? Yeah, for her. of course. And that's I mean that's that would be like if I brought into my policies about you know my agenda my personal beliefs into my work and that's just i think that's unprofessional yep. to keep that separate in my opinion um it should just be content without an agenda and that should be what's what's up yep kids kids programming should not have an agenda at all yep besides you know good good education and you know, having good morals and whatnot. Oh, but but remember that, that's why they that's why they have to create their secular religion, Joe, so that they have their own set of morals, so that they can say that we're the immoral ones in their Shoot. eyes. 
kids, so that's what they kids do. programming doesn't even have to have more. <laughs> I know. I mean, for God's sakes, I grew up on like Ren and Stimpy. I <laughs> certainly didn't have anything good going on. It oh, was man. stupid. SpongeBob too. Yep. If if anything, the argument could have been made they were trying to turn us into dullards and fools back in the day. They're still trying to turn us into dullards and fools. Oh, I would say, yeah, they've uh, they've quadrupled down on that. I mean, look at... I well look. This is all about entertainment. So let's just talk about the entertainment industry. Joe and I have been for the last two weeks. What have we been doing, Joe? What have we been watching? Watching Star Trek, and it's the best thing ever. Star Trek, which one specifically? Next generation. So you look at uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and you see, yeah, it can be campy. Some of the stories are a little bit trippy. Commander Riker's always got that smirk on his face, like he's up to like he's a mischievous dude. I love him. But, I uh, think Commander Riker is totally inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, whoa. Oh, man. But anyway, I digress. So, I'm like, what kind of military or whatever these soldiers are? Like, this, the this Federation's is kinda... a bit of a loose outfit sometimes. Uh, I, I love for it. For sure. But you see kind of the themes that they deal with on the show, the problems that they, um, they deal with a lot of moral issues. Even if it seems like a crazy situation, there's usually a lesson behind it. Like confronting the death penalty. Um, uh, dealing with uh, species that may, uh, you know, not judging a book by its cover and letting people's actions speak for themselves, even if they're a giant uh, jellyfish looking alien. So, but they deal with a lot of themes that are mature without being explicit or violent. And I think that, uh, that they, that when that series came out, they didn't, they didn't treat the audience like they were a bunch of idiots. You know, they figured you can figure this out for yourself. We don't have to hold your hands here. We're going to teach a lesson and you guys will be able to figure it out. Take a look at Star Trek Discovery nowadays, how dumb it is, how they make everything just kind of way too flashy without any substance. It's a huge difference. Even the newer J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek movies, which I enjoyed the first one with Chris Pine. I thought it was a fun movie, but you can't really compare it to... Uh, you know, the older works of Star Trek. Yes, again, they were a little bit campy. But when you look deep down inside the heart of the shows, what they were trying to convey, it was a totally different level of what we're seeing today. And the level of storytelling was far superior. So I, I just, I, and you can see the politics that are being in, injected into everything. And people are starting to wake up, uh, wake up to it. They don't like to see the propaganda being pushed down their throats. They don't like to see the authoritarianism and uh, and everything else that they're seeing and hear the imposition of ideology on kids. So you're seeing some people are finally pushing back on that. You know, we push back on that uh, really almost a year now since we've watched anything. So we'll never get Disney Plus or do any of that stuff. What we've got is what we've got. We've got the old Star Wars trilogies. Good to go. I got them on uh, Blu-ray, so I don't have to worry I'm about that. I'm just happy I got to watch uh, Clone Wars. Clone Wars was good, too, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but hey, you know, the, the gravy train Listen, is over because... Everything they're coming out with anyway is garbage. This yeah. whole, like, they're going back and, and taking stuff that's already canon and just screwing it all up. Yeah. You know, if you want to talk about the Kenobi show, we're not, we're not going to watch it. Not just because we're, you know, no longer uh, providing Disney with any of our, you know, we're not giving them any any profits from us, at least. That's what I'm saying. Is we're not supplying them with any more, whatever. We're we're boycotting them. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> not just because we're boycotting them. It's because Kenobi wasn't supposed to fight Darth Vader again. Okay, so yeah, come on, man. Like I'm not gonna go watch a show 
where we already know what happened in those years and now you're going to go and fill in with garbage it's going to like well this doesn't make sense now because yeah. we already saw the future if you're going to go back and rewrite the past the future doesn't make sense yeah and the so, future sucks that. anyway the future yeah. that we have now sucks you know you well, so oh, so obi so yeah no so obi-wan kenobi is going to go through whatever he goes through here and you already know he freaking and we are, we already know what happens, and we know that Luke Skywalker ends up being a punk, so Obi-Wan Kenobi fails miserably. So he fails first, stopping Anakin Skywalker from falling to the dark side and becoming Luke's uh from becoming Darth Vader. And he fails again because Luke becomes a failure of a Jedi that allows his uh his nephew to fall to the dark side. Yeah, his nephew to fall to the dark side. And instead of being a strong masculine character and saying, Well, geez, I really effed up there, um, but I'm not going to give up. Now I'm going to clean up my problems, try to solve what I did here. He said, woe is me. I'm going to exile myself and drink green milk from these weird walrus-looking creatures while uh, Ray figures everything out for me because I was supposed to you know, be the one that figured all this stuff out, but I'm a failure and I feel bad about myself, so I'm just going to be a punk. So that is why Star Wars sucks and what Disney has done sucks. So... It sucks because they take characters, they take stories that we have, and they want to destroy everything for their own purposes. Again, this is the overcorrection. I feel that Star Wars itself is the overcorrection. Luke Skywalker, let's get over the trope of this great male character, that he was the hero at the end of the day, and he's awesome. We've got Han Solo as the roguish guy. Oh, yeah, he was the guy, the bad boy. Let's screw him over, make him a deadbeat dad, and kill him off. In the first movie. Now, I know Harrison Ford wanted that, but still, come on. They could have just, you know, he could have flown off into the sunset somewhere. So, this is what we saw. We elevated characters that were irrelevant. And let's be honest, episode seven or episode eight made all the men look totally incompetent and like fools. Destroyed all of our favorite characters. And yeah, they let Luke fight with a force projection at the end and die. Like, how lame was that? So, it, it's... It, it, <laughs> Disney is already bankrupt when it comes to the creative department. We Look, we enjoyed the Marvel movies. I liked everything up to Endgame. Infinity War was amazing, in my opinion. Didn't read the comics, so I know guys like Eric July that are purists, you know, don't like how the MCU went. And, you know, it's, it's rich, you know, that I complain about source material and I did like the MCU. So, yeah, there's, there's give and take there. But that's because it was good storytelling with characters that you were invested in and believed in. And they didn't destroy them for some political agenda. So that's really what we're going, that's really what we're upset about here. And Disney now doubling and tripling down on this on top of their anti-consumer practices. Because I don't know if you've seen the prices at Disney right now. They're absolutely insane. So they're trying to indoctrinate you. They're pushing woke garbage upon you. Then when you go to the parks, what are you met with? You're met with a terrible app. You're met with lines that are longer than ever. Prices that are that rise to the level of extortion. The lines, the lines were always that way. Yes. Uh, I, rem I remember the last time, one of the last times I went to Disney, I waited two hours for soaring. So well, of course. That's pretty standard. But they, Disney. but that's why they created the Lightning Pass and all that stuff, which now they've totally changed to basically make it. Well, as much the more you pay, the better chance you have, and all this stuff. So we know that they've also been reducing. They wanted to reduce the portions of their food, and their excuse was, well. You know, we can make Americans waistline slimmer, but we're still going to charge you the same amount. So 
this is just what Disney does. This is what they've been doing for years, and now well, as far the as political agenda is popping up. Have any freaking roller coasters that are actually worth <laughs> anything? So screw Disney uh, parks. I'm not going to your park. I'm going to go to Universal instead and go on Velocity Coaster. So that's 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 facts right there. <laughs> All right, get that's back true. on track, Rolando. Let's All right. Go, uh, I got a couple more. Are you finishing up here with uh, Disney? Because I got a couple more gun yeah. stuff. I want to get us back on track. Yeah, let's go. Show me what you got. Great. Um, I want to talk about uh, ATF. Okay, so which article are you going to? Biden wants billions. Arms. I have a couple bearing arms stuff that I want to go over. Okay, please. so Biden wants billion dollar boost. Okay, let's so get just that one. just when you thought you were safe, so we didn't get Dave uh, burning down, you know, kids. Uh, I think I lost internet connection. I don't think I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, I couldn't hear you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you muted yourself. Right no, 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 I was just quiet. Oh, so uh, right when we uh, we 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 thought we were safe with Biden, we didn't get Dave. What's his face? Uh, the guy who who took selfies over the charred bodies <laughs> yeah. of, of children in uh, in Waco. So 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 he says that's not true. Allegedly, so, so allegedly, allegedly. So I have to say allegedly because he says it's not true. Um, so we lucked out on not getting him, Chipman. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Let's go to the other one because this is actually this links to bearing arms. So I sent you a okay. second one. This is the same article. I just want to give credit to uh, Cam yep. for writing this one. Okay, this go for it. Cam's, Cam's name on it, but uh, basically Cam. Oh, John Petrolino. What? This one's uh, John Petrolino. Well, it links. I'm saying this. Okay, links gotcha, gotcha. To Cam's article, so I'm going go to Cam's article because that's where this is basically getting the info from. Okay. Not that one. Which one? Not, I sent you two bearing arms articles. Uh, let me see. The one see. that says Biden wants. Did you not get it? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. There we go. Got it. Go for it. Joe, where am I? I'm in the other room because <laughs> I don't feel well. And I'm in the dark. I'm sitting in the dark. She's in the dark because she's had a migraine. So. Uh, but got... I'm still here with you guys. Mm -hmm. That's how much I love you guys. All right, Joe, go for it. We've got the article. God, God bless it. I'm... What? Did you. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I got it. I got All right. it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you thought you were safe, and that Biden wasn't really, uh, you know, we 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 got that victory. We didn't get Chipman, that weirdo looking dude, uh, crazy, over enthusiastic, uh, anti gunner. And I'm only making fun of his appearance because he's just he's 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 a trip. Um, uh -huh. He's he's got a long history of being just questionable in general. But anyway. Biden now brings back the ATF because he wants to give them a billion dollar boost. And I think we definitely heard about this last mm -hmm. year when we heard that he wanted to increase um, the uh, number of ATF agents. And I just want to, for those out there who don't know what the ATF is, it's the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Bureau. Or as it we all love to lo call the AFT. The AFT. <laughs> um, you know, what is it? The ATF, the AFT? I don't know. It goes back and forth. But it's the ATF as far as I know. <laughs> Um, why, you know, just to give a little background, because I do know that there are people who listen to the show that don't really know, uh, you know, the daily grind of being a two-way person. The ATF passes mandates, uh, passes things into being legal or not legal, and circumvents the traditional method of, you know, if you want something to become a law, it has to go through Congress. So it's absolute bull caca, as I can say that, um because I, I said caca, not the other word. So 
it's crap because the way that this country was set up, the checks and balances is you have an idea, you want to pass a law, sure, it's got to go through Congress and then get signed by the president. But no, no, we have things like the ATF that circumvent that and decide things like certain things are now illegal, like what we were talking about triggers last week and other things and, and uh, stocks and braces. Uh, all of a sudden, it's illegal and now you are felon because this this separate entity that does not pass legislation the normal way, which is voting and uh, by, you know, votes by your representatives that you've elected. So they're doing laws and, and saying things are illegal without your representation. So therefore, I don't know why people are okay with this. This is totally illegal by if you look at how things should uh if you look at how the, the the laws of this country were constructed and and how laws are supposed to be passed all these things are by definition just the same way that executive orders should be considered illegal or invalid i should say invalid so that's why the problem is with the atf they decided to do stuff just because they said so without uh going through the uh the, the process of the congress passing it so for those who don't know why we have um it's it's you know something we're not a fan of it's it's going around it's going around the, the traditional means of passing legislation so on top of the fact that it's an invalid branch of government um, <laughs> managed by the executive branch uh, they are now going to be boosted by 1.7 billion dollars um, Biden has from day one literally day one his inaugura inauguration has made it part of his platform to push gun control um this article does cam does reference you know we failed at to get uh, ahead of atf by a known gun control activist um but it doesn't stop their push to uh, make the agency have more power in his newly proposed budget i'm starting to read in the second paragraph okay the third paragraph i should say biden is calling for more than a billion dollars in new funding for atf and yes i did double check just to make sure he wasn't proposing giving the money to the American Federation of Teachers and said, that's funny, Cam. Uh, a 13% increase over its current funding levels. In a statement, the White House press office made it clear that the Bureau of Tobacco, Alcohol, and Firearms, I don't know why I said that backwards, and explosives is still the central component of his gun control efforts. And then we have a little insert quote here. Um, president Biden has made more progress on executive actions to reduce gun violence than any other president during their first year in office. Implementing the president's comprehensive strategy to reduce gun crime, the U.S. Department of Justice, DOJ, is pursuing rulemaking to rein in the proliferation of ghost guns, unserialized, privately made firearms that are increasingly being recovered at crime scenes and can be difficult to trace. So, now that the White House is bragging about Biden issuing more executive orders on gun control than any other president. Yeah, exactly. That shouldn't be something you're bragging about. This is the president. You're literally saying this is the president who has infringed upon your Second Amendment rights the most out of all of them in their first year. Congratulations, Biden. I hope that gets written down in the history books when they talk about what a failure you were as a president. Yep. Not that those efforts have actually done anything to lower the country's crime rates. Uh, I feel like that should be, you know, like, asterisk, you know, like, See Chicago, asterisk, see New York City. And the fact that we even have the dumbass mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, 
going to Lori Lightfoot in Chicago and asking <laughs> for her advice when it comes to how to reduce crime in New York City when clearly Chicago is even worse than New York City, proving to you that crime is not affected by gun control laws. Because guess what? Criminals don't follow laws. I don't understand how that's so hard for these politicians to understand. A child can understand that concept. Yep. If I ask my one of my five-year-old nieces, six-year-old nieces, hey, what is the definition of a criminal? They would probably say someone who doesn't follow the law. Okay? So if a child could get that, what is wrong with these politicians? You know what was wrong with these politicians? That they don't care. They're using that as an excuse to infringe upon your freedoms. Sorry, I totally went Oh, that was great. Here. No, that was, that was fire. That's the rant that I love to hear. Because uh, I uh, I get tired of listening to myself when I go on rant, so I love it when you get yeah, spicy you get there. Good ones. So anyway, I'm going <laughs> yeah. back to the. But you you but you see the passion in yours I'm, too. It's it's I'm just, I'm just it's raw. That's it's raw. All I am is just frustration. It's and raw. And, and at, look, at the infringements upon our freedom. Well, and everybody knows. Look, I've always been like a political animal. This is what I love to do. I've always done this. So, Joe is more from the outside. Uh, she's become more politically engaged. So now you. Her, how she feels is always raw and genuine when I let her know things. She's like, oh my gosh, she researches it or she finds out something on her own, lets me know. It's it's a pure reaction. So that's why I love her rants because a lot of times, it's the first time I hear them. You know, Joe hears me go crazy all the time, but a lot of times on the show, Joe doesn't tell me what she's going to say. And that's what I love when she gets emotional and passionate about it. And uh, and it's awesome. So I love my co-host and my wife. <laughs> How's it going, Tony? Time and says train in the chat. This is this is considered PDA. Stop it. PDA. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I do want to say a shout out to Tony in the chat. I haven't seen, uh, I haven't spoken to you in a little bit, so I I, I do believe I owe you a phone call very soon. Uh, so I'll be texting you because um, we haven't had our, our conversations about food and sriracha sauce <laughs> and whatnot. Speaking about fire, I'm not. I think I said I, I'm. I'm on one of the shows i can't have spicy food anymore so i'm very sad anyway going back to the uh the article this is what the funding is going to be utilized for and i think we've already we already knew that his goal was to hire more agents so that's more people um going around because they're I, let's be realistic they're going around you know gonna be um making thousands if not millions of people felons by now making braces uh illegal uh force reset triggers they're going to be uh we now know our, our you know if you have one you're a felon and uh, i wouldn't be surprised if if more things happen they already said that the uh, um a pistol uh what's it called a uh, god bless ar pistols are going to be uh, illegal very soon or, you know so that's already on the agenda as well so you have all these people who like i said last week this is very problematic because a lot of people don't pay attention they went to the store they said oh yeah i like that gun they bought it they don't pay attention to this this is not on mainstream media this is not on their ig and facebook tweets uh and twitter and, and on their feeds so how are they going to know that oh my god they woke up felons this week because they bought something cool at the gun store for this hobby that they don't really pay attention to and then now they're going to have a bunch of atf agents running around putting people in jail so anyway so 140 new agents, intel analysts, and other personnel, including personnel to staff the multi-jurisdictional gun trafficking strike forces the Justice Department launched last year. Again, 
in my terms earlier, an entirely invalid portion of the government. <laughs> Completely. Frankly, I think that anyone should, uh, I don't know, I, I was told that this is this is not possible, but I personally think that anyone who gets affected by this and gets put, uh, becomes a felon should sue the crap out of this, these people until it goes to the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's the only thing you can do, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, but it sucks to have to go through that process because people are going to lose their freedom and their rights and again the burden is always on us you know the the government decides to create regulations out of thin air they don't care about the constitution and no matter what i mean it's true uh you know i saw somebody come in the chat uh made a, a pretty uh, you know it's kind of a cynical comment but it's true in a lot of ways we have these rights but if we don't fight for them and they essentially don't exist it's again the constitution we believe in it but it is ultimately a piece of paper that is fading away in the uh, underneath the national archives there's nothing it can do for us it's not omnipotent it's not as if we call on the constitution let your powers combine and call on captain constitution uh and the constitution shows up and says hey you're being oppressed man not gonna let that happen boom snaps its fingers and everything's good to go that's not how it works you know it is up to us to push back against this but ultimately the government does have the uh the benefit of the power that it does and there are going to be a lot of innocent people that become victims of government power as we've seen throughout history so what we can do is to continue to fight to fund organizations like goa fpc that are trying to make sure uh tr trying to win the legal battles that allow these that throw out these unconstitutional regulations and laws and uh, vote for actual politicians that care about the second amendment and, uh, and your free, uh, your freedom and your rights. So that's really all that we can do. And again, the constitution and the second amendment is there for us as a safety valve. It is the, the final resolution. That's why they don't want us to be empowered. They don't want us to have the power to defend ourselves, to not rely on them and to ultimately be able to oppose tyranny if necessary. So that's what makes this such a hot button issue. This is why the First Amendment is also attacked regularly, uh, though not necessarily as blatantly because it's more abstract because of words. But those are the two, uh, those are the two rights and amendments that give them the most problems. And that's why we have to fight to defend them the hardest. So. I like this in uh, in the chat. Too many choices. One says the original pistol brace was made for a disabled veteran that couldn't utilize two hands uh, on an AR pistol. P pistol. Wow. <laughs> pistol. I swear I can speak English today. I'd like to see them try to win that case. LOL. Absolutely. Yeah. And yes, I'm aware that a lot of people, the majority of people who use braces are not dis uh, disabled. But I'd like to also say, um, since this is about equality, the uh, equal protections and whatnot, um what about people who just can't like i said i'm a weak female because i i really haven't been uh keeping up with lifting weights as much as i i should have been as much as i in my youth i was much stronger so i'll tell you i'll definitely be one who won't be able to shoot a pistol at all so how is that equal and fair uh if i really wanted to say if this is this is a dis you know inequality that men who are big and strong can utilize this for their self-protection and to train but being a five foot two uh scrawny female uh i can't do this so frankly we should have the right to use a stock because if we're being fair it's just you mean uh, yeah uh, utilize it yeah it oh, shoots... you mean uh, like a short uh, a smaller weapon 
Well, that too, but yeah. not just a stock because I need that to balance it and help me carry it. Yeah. Let's be realistic. If I'm just shooting it out, like holding it out with my hand, uh, my shoulder is going to get really tired. If I don't have something to brace it on my shoulder, I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. That's a, that's truth too. Am I not right? No, 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 you're right. No, I was just saying that you, you more, you want the ability to use a smaller weapon and that's know, pretty much what the brace gets you. To, Absolutely. But yes. I'm just saying, even that, I'm sorry, if you took, even if you took the thing off the street bag and you're telling me to hold this up with my right hand, that's not going to get tiresome. It helps balance it out. It helps yeah. distribute the weight onto your shoulder. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think ultimately it comes down to not just look, uh, braces were created to solve a problem again with disabled veterans coming back from the war. And it also benefited a lot of people because they were able to use weapons classified as pistols that they would not have been able to use before without being registered with the ATF. So ultimately it comes down to the ban on pistol braces is unconstitutional and immoral because you're now discriminating against uh, disabled uh disabled individuals that have difficulty manipulating a firearm in its conventional configuration. But it goes further to the NFA, which discriminates against, well, let's just say the two biggest things it discriminates against anybody that wants a smaller weapon that's easier to manipulate, which smaller or people that don't have as much strength and people that have ears, because guess what? Everybody wants a freaking suppressor because they don't actually make guns silent. So, and they, and they help your health because you don't lose your hearing. And again, it discriminates against somebody that wants to defend themselves because if I have, okay, if suppressors don't exist, it is what it is. I'm going to have to use a firearm inside my home. Most of the time you don't have a chance to grab your ear pro. You're going to get, <laughs> your ears are going to get rattled. That's for sure. And you may suffer from some hearing loss depending on what, what you're using and the circumstances that you're in and how many rounds that you fire. So you're telling me that my wife, first of all, she's not allowed to have a weapon that's easier for her to manipulate. And number two, when she uses, uh, if she uses any of these weapons, she has to become deaf because she can't buy a suppressor and get it in a reasonable amount of time. And it has to be registered and has a tax burden associated with it, which is discriminatory against everybody that has money, especially those that don't have that much of it. So it's it's ridiculous where we're at and they don't care and they don't understand. And again, they talk about empowering women. They talk about empowering minorities. We know that gun control throughout history has been purely racist. It is sexist and it is classist. It is all three of those things because you first you restricted people that you didn't like that the government didn't like minorities in a lot of cases throughout history then you discriminated against women because you don't want guns that are easier for women and people who may not have as much strength the old or the young to manipulate so it's that's sexist ageist uh, sexist and ageist then you're incorporating an undue burden and it's classist because you're making people either get licensed or in many states justifying why they should own a firearm. So if your reason is not good enough for the uh, for Big Daddy government, well, then I'm afraid, I'm afraid, young Jedi, that you will die. And that's just the way that it works. So this is what we do. This is why we're here every single day of the week. This is why we write to our politicians. This is why we go to rallies. This is why we do what we do. This is why we're 
discriminated against in public because of our ideals. This is why we're ostracized. This is why we're canceled. This is what we do and why we do it. We fight every day to defend our own rights and to be our own voices and our own advocates because guess what? Nobody else is going to do it for you. People will always betray you, stab you in the back for their own agenda. So it's time to find people that will be that will be held accountable, that are responsible, and actually give a damn. And that is what we do here. That's what the Locked and Loaded Latinos are all about. And everybody else in this chat and all of our friends in this uh, in this Second Amendment movement. So that there you go. That's my flowery speech for the evening. And somehow, even though we said it wasn't going to happen, we made it to a nearly two-hour show, Joe. It was my fault. I, I mean, I'm sitting in the room uh, not feeling great, but I'm, I'm the one who kept making it longer. <laughs> no, that, but that's awesome. No, I'm glad. Uh, this is, you know, again, this is, this is part of, uh, of what people need to do. Even if you don't feel uncomfortable, you don't want to do things, this is just a lesson for life. It's not just when it comes to Second Amendment advocacy. When you care about something... You will do what you can to get it done. Joe, you know, I was ready to tell Joe, like, hey, we won't have a show today. You don't feel well. And then she's like, no, you know, I feel terrible about doing that. We've gained some momentum. We got to do this. And uh, let's figure out a way that we can do it. And I was like, well, yeah, we can, uh, we can go in the other room. We'll give you the laptop and the microphone. And it'll be as if you're still here. I'll put a cute picture of you up <laughs> with Joe on, uh, Joe on the show. And we'll still have a great show. And honestly, this has been uh, one of the better shows. And I love the energy that you've brought tonight, my love. Again, with a PDA, stop. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, thank you. So uh, do we have anything else this evening that we want to talk about? What have we got coming up in the next uh, in the next few weeks, Joe? Um, I was supposed to get John Crump on the show. I texted him and I said, you want to come in on April? And he said, sure. And I said, okay. And then we forgot to say which day in April. So my bad. I do have ADD. So I'm going to be trying to get John Crump on the show. Hopefully he hasn't gotten all booked up in April, um, but it has been a lifelong, uh, a lifelong dream to get uh, John on. Awesome. So that's coming up. We've got um... text him back and be like, oops, I forgot to say what day. Um, I won't be on the show on Sunday next week because I will be traveling. This is going to be much, much more rare. I looked forward to um I'm booked all the way out to like August already. So I can see that I have only this Sunday and an August Sunday uh, where I'll be traveling. So pretty much the show's going to stay on Sunday. I think we, we've we had the, the poll every Saturday and Sunday that we've <laughs> asked. It's, 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 it's on Sunday for now. Um, and we are, we are going to be going to the uh, guns and Bitcoin conference. Do you want to talk about that again for a little bit for those? Who yeah, that's going to be uh, next weekend. Uh, guns and Bitcoin. It's uh, one of the sponsors is our good friend, uh, Justin from well, Phoenix ammunition is the sponsor. Justin is going to be going down there to represent. So we'll go ahead and hang out with him and um, go to the conference. Going to have a lot of uh, different people within the 3d printing. Wait, you, what? Go did for you it. just say that's next weekend? Yeah, uh, it is next weekend, isn't it? Yeah. It's so the ninth and 10th show. Uh, we can still have the show on Sunday because it's going to be during the day. So we can do the show that night on Sunday. But I'm traveling out on Sunday. Night. Oh, you are. Well, then we'll have to figure that out logistically. So yeah, Stay we'll see. To hear when the yeah, show we'll see what we're be. doing. Yeah. Because I would love to do a recap. Uh, what we may have to do is, um, 
try to film some content during the show. And if we get any interviews or anything like that, I'll air it kind of like what we did with the Solutionary Summit, where I aired the interviews as the premieres. Uh, or, I mean, if you're willing and you have decent internet, you can at least call in kind of like what we did today and we can talk about it. Oh, that's totally. I'll be, uh, yeah. it's not like a huge drive. It's going to be a Florida thing. So yeah, if we could do that. I could just leave early enough to be, be somewhere by showtime Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do that and then, uh, and we'll do it that way. So Sunday show stands then. Yeah. So we can, yeah, we can do that. And, uh, and what, have, what else have we got? We've got MegaCon coming up in, uh, mid, mid, uh, the second half of May. That should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to that, uh, to we'll see some content there. Yes. Uh, I don't know who we'll run into, but hopefully we'll run into some cool people there. Yep. Um, looking forward to that. I know Gina Carano is going to be there. The entire cast of, uh, all the hobbits are going to be there. Yeah. Some, uh, data is going to be there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, counselor Troy is going to be there. Not, well. not lore, hopefully just data, not, not lore, just data. <laughs> so, that should be fun, and we're looking forward to hopefully seeing the Geeks and Gamers crew. I saw Johnny64 in the chat earlier. You should check him out. He's got a great channel. Does great stuff when it comes to gaming and uh, NBA history, actually. So he's a, he's a friend of the show and a member of Geeks and Gamers, so go ahead and check them out. Then we have the awesome Train and Learn coming up uh, at the end of May during the Memorial Day weekend. So... Uh, I, Found out some cool news that it looks like uh, Phoenix Ammo is also going to be uh, uh, involved in sponsoring that. So we'll get to see Justin there along with our good friends, of course, uh, Kevin Dixie and uh, many other cast and guests that you've seen throughout the show um, throughout the last two years. So that'll be a good opportunity to uh, create a lot more content and have some great conversations. We're going to be doing the show from there. And so anyone who's listening who... Uh is either interested in yeah, let's bring that up, into actually. advocacy, uh, podcasting, or actually wants to turn things around and, and, and uh, business-wise, and maybe they're already a trainer and they're looking to increase, uh, boost their performance in the business realm for training, firearms training, um, or they just want to venture into firearms training altogether, this is a great opportunity to learn more about it as well uh, so there's a lot of like classroom sessions as part as part of this uh, event have hop uh, touched on all those topics advocacy podcasting media website design um firearms training as a business so all those things were covered um from subject matter experts so i think that's really cool and then you also have uh top line top of the line trainers firearms instructors um you know, on the range during range day. So you have pistol instruction uh, from competition shooters and instructors, as well as um, rifle carbine instruction. And we also had knife throwing, hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's just super cool. Um, and also, it was just awesome, the people who go, and you just build awesome friendships. And, you know, I remember, I think my favorite part was, one of my favorite parts, just sitting around a campfire at night, out in the middle of nowhere, uh, drinking some bourbon, and telling stories while the other people who were not drinking bourbon because we did a bourbon and cigars uh session which was really freaking cool so the people who were not in, uh partaking in that they were doing some uh night training night uh night, night vision, vision yeah. out in the uh the opposite field so it's just a really cool event um have a lot of awesome memories from it and can't can't wait for it again so i do happen to know this is because the it's still up on the website i can tell there may be some seats still open, so if you are interested in 
getting more involved in the Second Amendment, finding out what you can do, or making your own business out of it, whether it's a podcast or instruction, this is a great uh, kickoff point for you to learn more. A lot of people have, uh, who are, you know, people you may be super, uh, like, look up to and stuff like that, they've gone to this event, um, and I know a lot of people are going to go, even if, even if they don't need that instruction, just because of how important this was to them and to their, their growth, um, looking forward to seeing a lot of those people come back. Yep, absolutely. All right. I think that's what we've got for this evening, my love. So thank you all for joining us this evening for episode 88, man. We're coming up on episode 100 here in a couple of weeks and we're in a few Holy weeks. Cow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, cause sometimes we do these double episodes. Who knows? It should be in the next few months. But uh, it could come sooner than you think, so uh, we'll have to we'll have to do something special for that. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But I can't believe we've done 88 episodes. So thank you all. Out. We're gonna have to figure out when that lands on. Yeah, we're so gonna we have to plan it. Like a huge cast of all mm -hmm. all of our favorite people coming through, um, doing a cool episode. Oh yeah. Thank you, G Webs. Uh, we we love to have everybody here. So thank you for thanking us, and thank you for everybody who was here. And we'll see you next week. Absolutely. All right. Again, have a great evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode and for checking out uh, some of the game streams that we had yesterday. I know that we had some technical difficulties on the first half, but if you checked it out, uh, the second half, hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, Wait, G.O.S. has a question. What will be first, episode 100 or 1,000 subs? Honestly, ooh, I don't know. It could be either uh, one. Probably episode, maybe episode 100. <laughs> It's probably going to be episode 100, but mm -hmm. I would love to hit 1,000 subs because just because it lets us do more things like um, the going streams, live yeah. on site and doing the show on the road. Um, so that would be great. Mm -hmm. So, But we are slowly chipping away and, and, and getting closer every day. So um, it's going to happen one day. It's going to happen. People care. So Definitely. we just got to keep getting the word out. Um, also, for M. Gabriel in the chat, if he's still here, he did ask about constitutional carry in Florida. We went over it at length early mm -hmm. in the show, so feel free to go back. We do have all the updates on that and Georgia because uh, of the two that we went over on today's show. So that was first, like, 30 minutes of the show. So if you want to go back after the show ends and check that out, you can. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for joining us this evening, and have a great week, everyone. Take care.